Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast for Better America with Frank. And uh, in this episode, we're doing the what happened this month. So that's where we'll go over the events from the month and just try to bring things together. Um, it is good to be doing this again. Um, for this month, I found out something interesting in the month of November. I found out that the president gets to pat on talkies. And that was very funny. Um, it was interesting to um, dive into the history of that. Um, I don't know if it's newsworthy, but um, I, I totally could have gotten lost in who was the president that um, started this tradition. It seems like um, George Bush Sr. was like the first guy to made official, but Lincoln pat, pat on the talkie. JFK, you know, let one leave. But yeah, usually talkies will be given to the president as gifts. And um, a lot of them were slain. But uh, yeah, I found out that the president gets a pat on some talkies and uh, they get to live a happy life and they don't get to be easy at all, which is a cool little neat tradition. And uh, yeah, here is some sounds of some grateful talkie. I might actually be tempted to play that throughout this um, particular um, episode because I, I think it's it's really funny. But um, yeah, it's uh, the election cycle is over. Um, according to the outcome of the results, the U.S. House has um, um, changed in, in leadership. It appears Republicans will keep that, that house. And uh, there's 222 seats for them and 200... Uh, ten for the Democrats, and um, it would be a similar result in terms of what um the previous administration had um Nancy Pelosi and under her leadership, and also on the results of the elections um the Democrats will keep the Senate. In fact, the Democrats did not lose a seat um and. It looks like we will have a divided government under the uh, for the first time in this administration, and it's been interesting because this administration have done some good stuff. They've, they've fallen on, on some stuff, but have done some good stuff. That's you know, Inflation Reduction Act, um, you know, the Jobs Jobs Act through the Chip Acts, um, um, the, the bill to help the veterans. They've just done some very good things. So it'll be interesting to see how it functions with the divided government. I think it will be not in interest of Republicans in the long run if they were to just be a stumbling block, which it appears that is the direction in which they're heading. But um, it would be interesting to see what happens. And uh, in all the news, Nancy Pelosi, who was the leader for the Democrats for a very long time, stepped down from um, her speakership role. And um, there's, there's been a power shift now. And now um, there are three other leaders. So the three older leaders that were in charge of that have all been there for a long time. I mean, you know, Jim Clyburn of South Carolina, Stan Hoyer, and of Nancy Pelosi of California. I mean, Stan Hoyer has been there since 1981. Speaker Pelosi has been there since 1987. Clyburn has been there since 1993. Um, and it's have just been in the ranks of Democratic leadership on the House side for a very long time. Very powerful people, you know, good fundraisers, very influential in their states, um, respectively. And um, but there'll be there'll be a leadership change, and and I and I, and I think this is good because sometimes when we're in a very partisan environment, we have a situation where one side will be looking for someone to justify all their ills, and it looked like for a while 
Nancy um, Speaker Pelosi was this big thing Republicans could point at as the problem. And there was some frustration in the um, younger Democratic side that would need a change in leadership. Um, I think her stepping away from this role, but also empowering the generation after her um, with Hakeem Jeffries, um, Catherine Clark, and Peter Aguilar, who are all like, I think none of them are up, up to 60. I always had a frustration because the average age of the year was in the 60s, and the house was also pretty old, and I felt like we needed new blood. But um, when you grow up in the South, it's pretty easy to, to fall into the dislike of Nancy Pelosi. But when you look at her overall track record, I mean, she, she pushed, if if the Senate had passed half the bills she had put together, whether it was under Obama or under Trump or now even under Biden, I think, I mean, it's American society will be way, way f- farther in a lot of things, you know, um, in, the, in, uh, in medicine, in labor. Um, in immigration, I mean, she 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 is an interesting lady, and someone that is easy to criticize if you cannot see the big picture. But um, she stepping down definitely takes away that big ten people can point at to blame for everything and to make a villain. And I feel like AOC is the new villain. But now with Nancy out, out of the picture and AOC not on top of the leadership, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how Republicans govern because you just can't point at someone. Um, it you know um big events from this month we got a FIFA World Cup going on it's been very interesting it's been very crazy it's been nice to watch um Biden meeting with um French president uh for me I feel like this is the beginning of the end of the war um with this meeting I, I believe a lot of the the meetings with the French president would be about pretty much ending the war. I think there's a there's an interest in Europe to end the war. There always has been. I think there's been um, bad behavior by Russia in a way that prevents ending the war. And um, I think this meeting pretty much will solidify a kind of agreement that will end the war. It could be an optimistic take, but I, I do believe that um, Macron and Biden meeting will 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 pretty much end this war. Um, because then it's only, it's only two outcome after that. You know, it's, the war is. It's going to come to an end in a way that doesn't really favor anyone, including the Ukrainians, or it's it's going to be something big. So it's good, but let us meet and have a conversation about it. Another event from the month will be um, the Fed raising interest rate by points uh, 75% or three quarters of a percent. Um, I think there's no one at this point that is pretty much too enthusiastic about the Fed's action. The idea of 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 one of the big reasons why um inflation is so high is in fact the cost of goods and the cost of rent. Um the cost of transportation has gone down, but also due to rising wages. And in order to be able to um accommodate for the cost of goods and services going up and the cost of rent, people need higher wages. So um the Fed's action pretty much punish its wages in a way without addressing rent, um, living cost, and and the cost of goods and services. So it'll be interesting to see what the Fed does going forward um, after this last interest rate hike because I think there's a general consensus in the public that they're just doing things on a whim that aren't well thought out and there's a frustration about that. So 
hopefully the Fed stop raising interest rate and um, a generation of people that cannot enjoy the American system by being homeowners and enjoying good wages in the last, you know, that haven't had that in the last decade, are able to get some of that. Um, this there was a big um potential rail strike that would have happened in the United States, and it's a uh, it was a big it was a big deal. The um the there was a disagreement between rail workers of the United States and we could say rail owners in quotes or rail facilitators and bosses of the United States. And what this did is it created a situation where the rail walkers only wanted seven days of paid sick leave. Like from all I've gathered about this, that that industry is, is governed by some archaic clause. And these people cannot, they don't have they don't function in the same economic rules that the rest of modern United States function. In fact, they function with, with rules and laws that were made back in the days. And it's just a very interesting dynamic. And why digging and trying to learn more about the strike, um, it became very clear to me and evident that these people don't even ask for much. I mean, this will... They said the people would actually keep the American economy going. There's always a thing where it feels like the is a portion of the American um, public, maybe twenty percent of the workforce, or forty percent of the workforce that pretty much keep everything going. And that's your farmers and the farm workers. You know, that's that's um the the people in the logistics aspect of it. So that's if we're transporting the goods from a place to a place, whether it's by by land, by sea or by air. Um, whether it's the builders, so that's people building houses, whether it's the people in the construction end of the economy. Like if you if you took away any of those components of the American economy, the American economy would either shrink by twenty percent, it would cease to function. Um and for some reason it looks like those are the areas that people give less attention to. Like if you took out any of those components, um Unemployment would just go up by fifty percent in tech, right? Because how the fuck are they gonna eat if they can't have people to um make sure they have a house to stay in? Um, they don't have plumbing, they don't have electricity, like so. It looks like the the, the in 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 a way the the walkmen or the walkwomen of America, twenty to thirty percent of the workforce actually make the whole economy function, and rail walkers are a big part of that, and it's something that we don't. No, because they're not in the spotlight, right? You don't hear of um, acquisitions between two big rail companies. It's not big news. It's not like um, um, LinkedIn being bought by Microsoft, right? It's not. It's not this new invention. It's not. It's not Tesla. You know, it's not. It's not this shiny object. But in what I what I began to observe in this rail strike, as I pay attention, was. Um, Rail still up until today, sort of this day in 2022, in the end of November and beginning of uh, December, rail transport about 40% of all goods in the United States. 
like all goods that move from one end of the United States to the other end of the United States is done by rail walkers. I always thought it was like the big guys in the in the eighteen wheel trailers, but I'm like, it makes sense for rail to do it, right? Because rail, you could reduce the amount of accidents that happen. It's an infrastructure that connected America from like what the nineteen hundreds, the eighteen hundreds, and you know, like that's that's just good. And also, if the rail walkers had taken that strike, which um, Congress had to force a bill on them, we'll get to that. Um, it would have cost the American um, economy two billion dollars a day. Like I, I wasn't aware how big rail plays in our economy, but apparently it is freaking big. And to have people that are responsible for two billion dollars worth of revenue moving inside of the United States, which is, I mean, that's over seven hundred billion easy a year, almost eight hundred billion. That's a huge chunk of the American GDP each year, and these guys are responsible to keep that flow going. Whether it's it's, it's transporting chemicals, whether it's transporting passengers, whether it's transporting farming equipment, whether it's transporting um food whereas transporting the materials used to build automobiles and aircraft. Like, these guys are the guys that move those pieces. And I think I've seen them also move, like, some military stuff to one time. So they're moving a lot to keep American economy going, and they're in the shadows. And America um, right now has about 700,000. Um, if, if, they, if they had strike, it would cost American economy almost $2 billion every day. 40% of the transport, of the goods of the um, goods and services moving the United States would have been on track. And it could have led to possibly unemployment of 700,000 people. I would like to think that that unemployment number would be way higher than that, but that's what the news is saying. I would think it would be in the millions. And to see people so important that the Congress can't step in and decide um, for them to take a, a labor deal, we, we would think that, they will be able to get what they want, which is what should happen in good capitalism, in a good market. And this is a part of that, like, what kind of society do we want? We know how important these guys are. We know what to do for our economy. But seven days paid leave, that's, we just can't give them to that. Or if they had to take an emergency um, sick day, it's actually counted against against the, the employment and they could lose your jobs. And a lot of people have left the industry due to um, some of these issues. So now they're understaffed and overworked. But the real bosses will, from all account, have shown to spend billions of dollars in stock buybacks and not willing to give these people the pay time off that they have earned. And um, that, that that is not how we're becoming a good society. I think this is where there is a gap in what is our society and our values and how we treat the people that make the society run. Um, in other news, uh, we had some some first time for everything. Um, there was a f- um, Westmore was the first black um governor of Maryland. He won um election. Um the um title title forty two, which was a big health order that allowed for the expulsion of migrants came to an end. 
because it was a policy to be used for emergency and not for political reasons, and it was politicized. And it was a way to expel, um, even though seeking asylum in the border. Um, that law did come to an end. Um, in the month of December, um, and an, an event we had, um, um, Maxwell Frost who was twenty five, was affects Gen Z to be elected to Congress. So there's just a lot of good, good fast, you know, from the month of November. 2022 um ftx which is a, a crypto trading business um files for bankrupt bankruptcy and from what i've gathered it shows that the, the owner may have engaged in in um fraudulent behavior allegedly that that's what people are saying that that um he may have engaged in fraudulent behavior, and that's where he had an exchange, and then he had a uh, a holding company, and was moving money from the exchange to the holding company. That is allegedly what has been said out there, all over the news and stuff like that. Um, what we do know is that the owner of this company continued to um be someone that donates to campaigns, and when there was an investigation potentially into FTX, which I think would have saved a lot of people. There was some warden around the Congress that I think may have slowed down legislatures from fully investigating the company. And this shows you where money and power leads to some corruption. What happens now as a company that filed bankruptcy is um, Tens of thousands of people that put money in this crypto exchange in hope of making a profit. And um, from some of the stories also written and gathering, people were just putting some, you know, maybe put 10000 there because crypto had a way of, of accelerating. They were hoping to get a return on investment that they could put in a dampament for a house, um, put in a dampament for, um, if, you know, buy a car, um, pay off their debt. Um, so people were making decisions. And regardless of what we think about, um, people and where they invest the people in which they they invest their money into the the funds the the exchanges should not be allowed to to engage in behaviors fraudulent behaviors that ends up people losing their money and then those who own the exchanges and the funds keep the money and this potential of this happening obviously um there'll probably be an investigation into this and the owner may or may not go to jail i think this is just a big thing of like the power of lobbying and how it can shield people even if you don't directly lobby but if you just do it in a, you know in an open-handed way it can create an environment to where there will be some hesitancy with going up after someone and the scandal, this FTX scandal is going to cost people lots of money and no one knows what's going to happen with a, with the founder, Sam Bankman-Fried but time, time will tell. Um, in the month of November, it appears that um, 
some of the data coming back on some of the shortages we have in the United States, and it looks like we'll continue to have that. Um, there's a teacher shortage. There's a farm worker shortage. Um, there's definitely um, a tech sh- shortage. And if the Fed's behavior is a way that suppresses the growth of wages, we're probably going to keep seeing those sh- shortages. I'm not saying correlation equals causation, but we got to look at what's happening in the marketplace. Um, one of the best ways to slow down the shortage is to have people that could do the job. So America will have to work on its immigration policies in that regard. Um, Trump reannounces for his election bid. Who knows what that will end up being like. But he might lose. And he meets with Cayenne Fuentes. And um, the situation with Kanye is interesting because it's it's wrong. He says some very anti-Semitic things. And we're in a society where I think people like to bring him on in the name of giving him a voice. But indirectly what you're doing is bringing him on to promote their platform because he's a big name and someone will tune in. And I believe um, the Daily Show Trevor Noah said the best where he says he's got no beef with you. He says him as someone who is struggling and someone who needs to be reached out to and communicated with as someone who is struggling, not necessarily someone who brought onto a platform and allowed to spill stuff. One of my biggest sins and one of the reasons why I started this podcast was about the rhetoric with Trump. I, I, I saw as a society and as a group of humans, we have two paths. We have good, we have bad, we have you know good or evil, you know, or whatever. And Trump seemed to appeal to the better <laughs> demons of about 20% of the electorate or 20 to 30% of the electorate. And there were people that voted for Trump because he was Republican, not because they liked anything he said or any of his, you know, views or his, his, uh, his toxic toxicity and, and sentence of that nature, but rather, um, and anyway, 20, 30% that I think he, he spoke deeply to and he spoke to the better, better demons. And I feel like it's better as a society if we have leaders that speak to our better angels. And this is something Matthew the King Jr. was notorious for doing. This was something that made him who he was. Um, the Trump meeting with Kanye and um, Fuentes is something that continues to speak and echo and channel and energizes um, Our lesser angels, our I don't want to say our, our better demons because that's not good. Um and and it speaks to the vow of of a part of our society. Not the majority, but a huge, huge minority. And it's it's better if we have leaders that speak to our better angels. And this is how it ends. 
Thank you for listening.